At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Because people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to explain, but to entertain, to teach. We do it all. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now that Wall Street finally realizes that we are in a bull market, in fact, we've been in one since inflation peaked last fall, we have to ask ourselves what could upend the juggernaut. I spent a lot of time defending the rally from a legion of critics who doubted every move higher until we were already up huge from the lows. But today, my colleague David Faber asked me what could derail this market and its key leaders. What would slay the bull? I gave him a glib answer about inflation. I know that's not good enough, and I had to spent the whole day trying to figure out a real response. And that's what you're going to get right now. Let me tell you what could potentially slaughter this bull. An idea I'm willing to entertain after a nice day. Dow gained 109 points. S&P advanced 0.24%. NASDAQ edged up ever so slightly, 0.03%. The first bull slayer really is inflation. The best performers of late, the Microsofts, the Apples, the Alphabets, the Adobes, are going up on the same news again and again at the same time. This is what's known as multiple expansion. Wall Street's willing to pay more for the stocks in a world with lower inflation and lower bond yields than I think they should. I prefer stocks to go up on changes in fundamentals. No, they're going up on a change in perception. Of course, because it's perception, not accelerated earnings growth, the whole move could turn on a dime if inflation flares up again. A couple of red-hot housing numbers, maybe a pickup in wage inflation as all the infrastructure jobs hit us next year. Well, that would put an end to the tech stock leadership that's been at the forefront of this rally because momentum is indeed a two-way street. The second bull slayers related more inflation would convince the Fed that it needs to raise interest rates aggressively to the point where short term treasuries become way too attractive versus any stock. If short rates get high enough, money will deflow out of this market like water. And they aren't that far from being that way. I mean, look, I doubt it'll be necessary for the Fed to take them up so high. But, well, it would easily slaughter the bull and the Fed could do that. Third. We could be toppled by something I really despise, and I happen to despise froth. Yeah, froth. When the positive action just gets way too crazy, too frantic. Yes, the frantic desire to throw money at anything remotely related to AI has me absolutely worried. Yes, it's true, Microsoft's charging a great deal for its co-pilot AI product, so its stock deserved to run on the news yesterday. But today, Apple jumped on news that it's contemplating generative AI, at least a tool, while Salesforce soared when it announced its AI price chart. These are not events that should be tacking on billions and billions of additional market capitalization. That's part of the market's egregious froth, chimerical moves, frankly. 
Needless to say, the linchpin for all of AI is NVIDIA. And NVIDIA, if it ever falters, well, that could crush the entire AI move. I can't imagine what it would take to topple NVIDIA here, but unimaginable things happen all the time. Of course, I don't think it's likely, which is why we own it for the charitable trust and we don't trade it. Fourth bull slayer. These are all, remember, just perspective, and it's just putting it in context of what could happen that could go wrong is the exogenous. I'm talking about China wanting to invade Taiwan. If they can successfully take it over, and please remember, they think it's theirs already. That would be a disaster for the U.S. economy because so many of our semiconductors come from Taiwan. The Chinese Communist Party probably wouldn't do this. Why? Because they run the risk of starting World War III. But the chances of this happening are much higher than I'd like to be. I mean, for instance, the moment Janet Yellen left China after supposedly productive meetings, the PRC launched yet another flyover of Taiwanese airspace. It's not inconceivable that they, they risk trying to take it over. Nobody thought Russia would be crazy enough to invade Ukraine, did it? But it still happened. Hey, fifth, speaking of Ukraine, without the right equipment from the West, it's looking like this war could turn into a long and bloody stalemate. And that is not what we want. Then again, we got to wonder what Putin might do if Ukraine has a breakthrough. Maybe he's nuts enough to roll out the nukes. Not something Wall Street wants to be worried about. Here's hoping that the next coup attempt succeeds. Ukraine needs jets and helicopters from the West, or this war is going to go on a long time, and jets and helicopters do not seem to be in the cars. Six bull slayer right now, we have a dearth of IPOs and secondary offerings. But when you listen to James Gorman, the outgoing CEO of Morgan Stanley the other day, it sounds like he's seeing some green shoots in the equity market. If we get a ton of IPOs and a ton of insider selling stock, that excess supply could cause the market to roll over. Right now, we're not far from that. Uh, Now, actually, I should say we're in the last few days. I don't feel that way, but we actually are historically. And uh, it's not really a factor. There just isn't that much stock for sale up here, or we wouldn't be seeing such outside moves. But if the IPO market comes back in a big way, that's going to be a big problem for the average. It's not yet. Seventh, the bull dies if we actually have a recession. Well, this is always a possibility. We get earnings from all the biggest banks, and they're certainly not seeing any cracks in the edifice. The consumer's strong. Credit's not being abused. Businesses are very solvent. There's not even that much pressure on commercial real estate. The hard landing scenario requires all those things to be happening. The average person has far more cash than they did in 2019. These are there are far more jobs available than there are people. Unemployment is still near the record lows. I mean, companies in the service industry keep expanding as more and more people are traveling, or at least going out after spending so long working from home. These are not arbiters of recession. They're the exact opposite. Eighth, the bulls might go to the slaughterhouse once the short sellers have covered all their shorts. Right now, the bears are being crushed, okay? Uh, Carvana, one of the most heavily shorted stocks of our time has run from $3 to $55, more than that later. And we've got a ton of fintech stocks making similar huge moves thanks to short squeezes. Money managers were just shorting all sorts of stocks very aggressively in anticipation of recession that doesn't seem to be coming. But eventually the shorts will finish buying back their stock to close out their losing short positions. And even if that doesn't slay the bull, it's going to hurt the bull. Ninth, potential bull killer, if we have another serious bank run that nobody saw coming. So far, no regional has shown anything like what Silicon Valley Bank or First Republic has happened did. But we didn't see them coming. Let's not get cocky. Finally, maybe companies don't deliver on earnings that could put the bull down. Yes, it could. Maybe there's no turn in Amazon Web Services, so Amazon takes numbers down. Maybe Apple doesn't deliver on the hardware and there's a service revenue shortfall. Maybe Alphabet shows no real growth and causes a cloud price war. Maybe the Justice Department scores a plum when it goes after Alphabet for monopolistic pricing. Maybe Meta spends too much money on its Meta product and not enough on reels. Maybe the core of Microsoft turns out to be not doing as well. 
well. Maybe Netflix is really indeed worried about the future. We could see some shortfalls in healthcare, especially pharma, as part of the slightly under the radar provision in the Inflation Reduction Act that the drug companies claim could crush their earnings because it would let Medicare negotiate lower prices. Now, I don't know how many of these negatives would have to surface to slaughter the bull. But there are possibilities. The bottom line, though, there's enough money still betting on a recession or sitting on the sidelines of short-term treasuries that I think this bull can still have forward momentum. Sure, something could go badly wrong. But for the moment, I think we're too early into this move for it to end anytime soon. So many investors are only just waking up right now to the fact that a bull market even exists, which makes it mighty hard to conjure up a serious bear thesis. Max in Illinois. Max. Hey, Jim. Uh, so I know you like the beverage giant PepsiCo, but I want to talk about snacks, pets, and dividends, all three of which General Mills does well. And their stock dropped after a recent forecast citing inflation-weary choppers, but General Mills has been pretty resilient during recessions and market sell-off. So uh, I want to hear, what are you thinking on General Mills? People are worried about the chart. People are worried that the dividend isn't high enough to protect itself from bonds. People are worried about consumer practice good stocks. I am not worried about those. I think General Mills is a great long-term stock. I think you should own it. Dan in Virginia. Dan. Hello, Jim. Appreciate you taking my call. Of Long-time course. Long-time viewer, first-time caller. I'm actually calling in for my dad, who's almost 90 years young and has been yes. a decades-long shareholder of Dominion Energy. It had a post-pandemic high of around $87, but can't seem to break out of a, a narrow trading range in the low 50s these days. It's a big part of his portfolio. and would love to know your thoughts. I don't trust Hokies. it. Oh, yeah. I, I love the Hokies. Where, where's Brian Sullivan? I don't trust Dominion. I think something's wrong. I want them to come on, and I want them to explain to me how they could be paying such a high dividend, given the fact that there's so many things that I think are checkered about it. Letter D is not my favorite. And, but congratulations still to your dad for being 90 years young. Rob, Robert, Robert in Pennsylvania. Robert. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Jim, thanks to you and to the club, which I'm a member, I realized some gains via artificial intelligence. I'm well, looking ahead you. now. Yeah, I'm looking ahead now for businesses who may imp- be implementing a- AI. I'm thinking of a stock. Call letters, G-E-H-C, G-E Healthcare Technologies, Inc. What do you think? Okay, they report next week. You're a club member, so you know we've been buying the stock. Why? Because you're going to need an MRI before you get into any of the Alzheimer's programs. And that's how they're going to benefit. AI, they're going to have to talk about on the call, because I, right now, do not know them as such. But let's find out. And thank you for being a member of the CNBC Investing Club. Wall Street's finally realized we're in a bull market, and I think the bull still has forward momentum. On Mad Money tonight, it seems like things have settled after the regional banking crisis, so I'm going straight to the source with First Horizon CEO to see how things stand now. Then Carvana announced earnings this morning earlier early than expected. The stock was down ahead of time. Wrong. And after sharing plans for a big restructuring of the company's debt, I'm learning more with the company's top brass. And ahead of the hotly anticipated Barbie movie, I'm seeing if this could be the inflection point for the toy maker. Mattel's CEO will be with us. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. 
Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise, dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Now, we know we've gotten some fantastic numbers from the big national banks this earnings season. But how about the small regionals that were right in the blast radius of the mini banking crisis this spring? Take First Horizon, Tennessee-based regional bank, with a big footprint in the southeast that almost got acquired by Toronto Dominion for $25 a share. For the regulators blocked the deal and had nothing to do with First Horizon. You need to know that. Stock's now at 12 bucks and change. Is there a chance? Hey, maybe a bargainer. This morning, First Horizon reported kind of an unremarkable quarter. A modest revenue miss coupled with a small earnings beat from strong income and better expense control. So what happens next? What's the bull case for an independent FHN now that Wall Street doesn't like the regional bank stocks? Why don't we dig deeper? Let's go with the always bankable Brian Jordan. He's the chairman and CEO of First Horizon. Find out more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Jordan, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Brian, first of all, I didn't expect to see you again. I thought this would, that this era was over. You had made a fortune for shareholders. What's it like to have to basically stay, almost start over, in an era where something happened that you had nothing to do with broke down? Yeah, you would have to put me in the camp of extraordinarily surprised that we're getting to do this again as well. I I would say that it was in one sense a a huge disappointment for our shareholders. On the other hand, our bankers had never stopped growing and serving our customer base. And so when the the merger got terminated and, and we started on what's the next chapter, we went back to doing what we've done for the last 159 years, which is to serve our customers, serve our communities with enthusiasm and passion. And that momentum is showing up in the back half of this quarter and the momentum we see going into the third quarter of this I, year. I don't want to belabor this because it had nothing to do with you, but I want, people, I want you to tell people this was no, at your end, this deal was not stopped. It was, an, it was by regulators, but by you say regulators, it was because of your acquirer, not because of First Horizon's financials. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It, it had nothing to do with First Horizon, and we made that clear in our press release a couple of different times. We're disappointed, but we understand that sometimes things like that happen, and TD's inability to get timely approval, we reached this termination agreement, and we hit the ground running. Aren't you afraid that there's some other bank that's going to come along, given the fact that you guys were double the price that you are now? Or, or do you think that the era of, of mergers has kind of come and gone, and you're about, about to stay strong and independent? 
Yeah, if, if, if I answer the question two ways. One is I think clearly we're a, a more valuable franchise today than we were in February of 2022 when we struck that, that merger agreement. And I know the, the market and the economy and interest rates have moved a tremendous amount since then, but we completed the integration of our Iberia Bank merger, our franchise, and our footprint looks tremendously good. And, and we're a more valuable firm today. And we're going to do what's right in the long term for our shareholders. I do think that the merger M&A picture is more cloudy today than at any time in my banking career. If you put it in perspective, we were in this merger agreement 14 and a half months, and, and it sort of terminated as, as a surprise to us in May of, of this year. And I think the, the banking industry is now in a state of trying to figure out what are the rules of the road, how does M&A fit into the regulatory framework that we face, and we were getting what I would describe as somewhat mixed messages in terms of support of M&A. But at the end of the day, we're going to stay focused on serving customers and communities, and we're going to build the franchise value from where we start. One today. of the things that you did was you built a bank that literally is in the hottest growth areas throughout our country. Every single one of them you touched, including the fastest growing in our country, which is where you're located. Give me the tenor of business because you guys are in the heartland. Yes, we sure are. And I think it was your, your CNBC state rankings last week that came out, and we're in three of the top four, and we have all of most of our states are in the top ten. We have great growth markets, and the economy here continues to be very, very strong. We see it in our customers that business continues to be good. It's not record years like we saw last year, but business continues to be good. People are working really hard to hire and recruit. There's a lot of people moving into our footprint. So we're very optimistic about the, the part of the country that we have an opportunity to serve, and we think that will serve our shareholders very, very well over the long term. Right, so many people worried about commercial real estate. I mean, I was on the Wells Fargo call. I think Charlie Truff's a great banker, but he said, listen, we had to go over building by building, basically, because we want to be sure. How is commercial real estate in your three hot markets? Yeah, the, the commercial real estate markets are still okay. I know people are concerned about refinance activity, whether it's later this year or next year with higher interest rates. And particularly with respect to office, they're concerned about occupancy levels as well. That said, we're not seeing any significant signs of, of deterioration in our portfolio. We've seen a, a very modest level of downgrades into criticized or classified, more importantly. And we feel good about, in our footprint, the ability to, to see office and other commercial real estate absorbed fairly quickly. And we're, we're not in, in a state of panic about it at this point at all. One last question is personal. I've, I've watched you grow this institution, what you've done, and you really created maybe the finest regional bank in the country. And they get a takeover bid. And some people are just going to ride off to the sunset, be pretty darn happy at how they've done for shareholders for themselves. What's it like to discover, you know what, I'm back in action. i got to run this place again. Is it okay for you? Yes, it's absolutely, and, and I'm excited about it. I've, I've been CEO at First Horizon now for roughly 15 years, and, and as I've said to a number of people over the course of the last 
several months in the last 15 months. This organization is like a part of my family and I'm, I'm excited with the, the group of people I get to work with, the talented bankers that I get to serve alongside. I'm excited to be a part of it. And we're all excited about our opportunity now to deliver on the promise of our merger of equals with Iberia Bank going back to 2020. Well, look, I want to congratulate you on sticking around and doing stuff for your shareholders. Again, it, what stopped this deal had nothing to do with this man. This bank is doing terrifically. Brian Jordan, Chairman, President, CEO of First Horizon, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you. Mad Money's back in for break. Coming up. The car vending machines go up and down. But this stock is lately stuck to the former direction. Join Kramer in the fast lane next. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash Sirius XM. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Wow, people were shocked about this one. This morning, we got a stunning quarter and a huge debt reduction from none other than Carvana, the web-based used car retailer best known for its automated car vending machines, gigantic soda machine looking like garages that dispense what you buy. Now, Carvana already had a monster move, but it's heavily shorted, so I always hesitate to recommend it because you can never tell how much of these gains are because of a short squeeze. That's definitely part of the reason the stock could surge 40% today. But man, I did not expect the news to be this good, and it is good. Carvana beat the numbers on every key line with much higher than expected sales, record gross profit per unit, and their final, the positive EBITDA number since uh, it's been since 2021. More important, the shorts have been ganging up on this one because they thought it's got an ugly balance sheet. But today they announced a major debt restructuring. And it, coupled with an at-the-market stock offering, Carvana will be able to lower its interest expense by a staggering $430 million over the next two years. That's huge. Company now has a lot of breathing room, and some of its worst possible outcomes, I think, are off the table, which is why the shorts had to scramble, and a lot of new people came into the stock. So let's take a closer look with Ernie Garcia. Uh, he's the th- Ernie Garcia the third, I should say. He's the co-founder and chairman CEO of Carvana. Find out more. Hey, Mr. Garcia, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim, thanks for having us. You know, Ernie, I, I, there's a really interesting pivot that you did. I think a lot of people recognize uh, this is one of the great comeback stories of all time. But I think what the man realizes, you kind of got religion about what everybody was saying, which is it's not just good to grow 100 percent every year. It's time to make money. And you did it. And people think you couldn't do it. I'm giving you a floor to tell you how. How did you do it? Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, we appreciate the characterization as greatest comeback of all time. We'll take that all day long. But I think... Uh, 
It's been a journey for sure, Jim. I think, you know, for eight years, we grew at about 100% per year and, uh, you know, things seemed to come pretty easy to us. I promise if you were there, it was hard along the way then too. Uh, but it sure looked from the outside like things were coming easy. And then I think 22 came and we were positioned for another huge year of growth and car prices went up and interest rates went up and it got more expensive for our customers. And we were overextended and we had a lot of work to do to catch back up. I think in, uh, in Q1 of last year, we had negative $360 million of EBITDA, uh, which is not a good number. Uh, but but in the last 15 months, we've been able to turn that around. We had 155 million positive this quarter, um, and that only happened because our customers love our model. And and very importantly, a ton of people inside Carvana did a ton of amazing work over the last year and a half, um, and, and we've made a lot of progress. And so we couldn't be more grateful. We're excited to be coming back, uh, and I think we had a lot more comeback in us. All right, tell me why you think this is sustainable. A lot of the people were betting against you. Say this was one time only. It's going to go back to its old ways. Sure. Well, I think, you know, what makes something sustainable is, is the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are that, you know, customers love buying cars online. They love having a big selection. They love saving money. They love a process that's simple. Uh, and we have great people that care that are working really hard to build the best business model we can to provide that for our customers. And I think, you know, over the last 15 months, we've made so much progress. Over the last six months, we've made even more. Uh, and we continue to, or we plan to continue to do that from here. So I think the gains you're seeing are sustainable. We definitely benefited this quarter from a couple things that, that broke our way. Uh, but there were huge gains underneath it that are certainly sustainable and it will continue. I know it is a little difficult for the layman to understand, but this debt restructuring was rather monumental. Can you, I don't want you to do it in a you know, debt for dummies kind of thing, but can you explain what happened here? Because it was a very stark contrast to a lot of other debt deals that I've seen. Sure. Well, well the first thing I'll do is I'll, I'll give some credit to our lenders that we worked with. I think, um, you know, they came in looking to work with us to find a solution. They recognized the progress that was happening in the business, and they saw there was an opportunity to do something positive for both of us. And I think we were able to find that together. And I think that that was the key that that uh, that I think made this a, a bit easier was just the progress in the business. Um, but I think you know what underlied it is you know we did raise debt over the last several years to to fund all of our growth and all of the infrastructure build out that has enabled us to build this company. Um, and we chose at the time to not use uh, our, our security to not use collateral to uh, to underlie that debt. And that gave us an asset here that we were able to use at this time that's been really valuable for us um, and made a great trade for everyone. So I think that was pretty exciting. Now, I know that this is not of your doing, but I do think that you're the most successful at recognizing that a squeeze, a monumental squeeze, can actually be good for a company. It allowed you to be able to do this gigantic equity offering, although it's at the money, but it also kind of sustained you. The people who bet against you in a way, Ernie made it so that you can win. Well, you know, I think uh, we're going to try to stay as focused on the fundamentals we can. We're going to try to just keep pushing the business forward. I, I think, um, you know, th- there certainly has been uh, so, some naysayers out there over the last year. Um, and that's, I think, just kind of the rules of the road. I think that's just kind of how it goes. And so they can be out there. They can have their views. That's going to that's gonna motivate us and push us forward. And, and again, I just thank the people inside Carvana for not letting that distract us. Now, the car I bought from Carvana was a very low-priced car, uh, $24,000. And it made me think, how the heck can they make money at that? I know CarMax makes good money on the low-priced ones. Can you ever make good money in the low-priced ones, given how much debt you have per car, so to speak? Sure. I, I think... Uh, 
you know, I think in general, we would prefer for car prices to be lower. Uh, I think it's better for our customers. I think that, you know, we were, uh, we had some of our most successful years when car prices were much lower. So, so we would love for car prices to go lower. I think, um, you know, we're seeing some depreciation in the market today. The last couple of years have, have been characterized much more by car prices going up than going down. Uh, but I think we're well positioned to, to ride through any market and to just keep delivering great experience to our customers. Do you have enough uh, inventory for people? You have, you're down a lot from where you were. Sure. So we have about 50,000 cars uh, that we own. And, and if a customer comes to our website, uh, they'll see tens of thousands of cars they can pick from. So I think that's one of the big advantages of Carvana. We have a, a huge selection for customers to pick from. We can deliver them to customers. We've always said as soon as next day, but more recently, we've actually been testing same day. Um, our fastest delivery was recently done in two hours uh, from a customer who jumped on our website. So we're always trying to push there. Um, and I think we're making a ton of progress and, and giving customers broad selection. Last thing you need to know, 35 million shares. Obviously, if you just lay it out there, this is at, at, at the money. You could really hurt investors who came in today. Are you going to be able to be gentle, so to speak, about the stock that you're offering? I know that GameStop, for instance, was able to do at the money. No one ever even knew it. Do you think this will be done subtly and nothing that would make it so that you would wake up one day and say, man, they're laying all over the stock? Sure. So I, I think you're referencing the entire size of the ATM, which is Correct. obviously a bit of a complicated transaction, but I'll, I'll assume that everyone follows. And, and what I would say is, you know, we have decided to raise $350 million, um, you know, which will require us a relatively small subset um, of that ATM overall. And then beyond that, that's an asset for the company. It gives us option value. Uh, and so we'll evaluate it over time. Well, okay, I got to tell you, I got to congratulate you. Great turn. A lot of people bet against you, and it seems like right now it was a sucker's bet to bet against you. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jim. We appreciate it. Very deserving. That, that is Ernie Garcia III, and the stock is Carvana. The stock was at three in December. This is what's so great about our stock market, and congratulations. Good to see you. Thanks. All see you right. soon. Man, my back here. Food. Coming up. Is a life of plastic about to make this stock fantastic once again? Recently in the red, Mattel is thinking pink. Next. The most important movie of the year is coming out this weekend. No, I'm not talking about Oppenheimer. I'm talking about Barbie. Although I, I got to say that would make a truly schizophrenic double feature, wouldn't it? I bring this up because Barbie belongs to Mattel. It's their latest attempt to use Hollywood to monetize their stable of toy brands. In the next few years, we're going to get a Hot Wheels movie from J.J. Abrams and even a Rock'em Sock'em robots movie starring one of my faves, Vin Diesel. That makes the Barbie movie a big test case for Mattel. So what would success even look like? Hey, why don't we check in with Enon Christ? He's the turnaround artist, boy, do I ever mean that, chairman and CEO of Mattel. to get a better read on the situation. Mr. Christ, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. Okay, I met you five years ago. And you came to me and you said, this is an intellectual property company. I said, it's a toy company, for heaven's sake. You said, it can manufacture dreams. I said, it just manufactures toys. You did it. Five years to the almost the exact day. How did you know? Well, our biggest, the biggest transformation in our thinking was to realize that people who buy our product are not only consumers, they are fans. And once you realize you have an audience, opportunities open up. And the Barbie movie is exactly that. It's an important moment for Barbie. It's a milestone moment for Mattel. And it's a, an exciting moment in filmmaking history, bringing to the big screen one of the most iconic brands in history. 
Now, I had felt that what would happen is you would do these kind of childlike movies. I don't know, but you told me, no, I'm going for total creativity. You want different people than traditional buyers of Mattel toys to, be, to, to actually sit up and take notice. Well, this was not about making a movie. This was about creating an iconic cultural moment. We wanted to do something different, something unique, something that would stand out. And we are very excited by this creation of Greta Gerwig, who is one of the most prolific creators of our generation. And her interpretation, more than their interpretation, of the Barbie brand. And it's a big, bold comedy with heart about self-discovery and empowerment, bringing together fashion, humor, and iconic cultural moment with great music that is integrated to the movie. What's amazing is that Wall Street seems to think this is really the only one in your arsenal. It's kind of over. But I remember you told me you could trace out dozens of possible movies. This is just number one, right? Well, we own one of the strongest portfolios of children and family entertainment franchises in the world. We've announced 14 other movies in addition to Barbie. We have a very exciting slate, a great mix of IP, different genres, different demographics, in collaboration with some of the most creative people in, in, in Hollywood. Why do they want to work with you? We empower creators. We would like to become a talent magnet. And this movie is very much a showcase for our ability to work with the best creative people in the world, to really amplify our brands, and to bring together, bring forward our marketing capabilities and create societal moments. Now, I want people to understand you're not a, a movie maker for Mattel. You, Mattel does very well if the movie does well, small percentage. But just explain to people the economics so they don't think, holy cow, and I'm crazy, this is all an afterthought. What really matters is he's going Hollywood. Well, it is a capitalized strategy that we employ. We don't fund our movies. Our currency is our IP and our marketing expertise. We do have meaningful participation in the economics of the movie. And in addition, of course, we continue to build our business on toys, consumer product and merchandise, and digital experiences. And this is part of our strategy to expand our business, to continue to grow the toy business, but expand our entertainment offering and capture full value from our IP. Right, now we have a really great staff, and Dylan Reebok today said to me, one of our best, said, look at this, he Googled your movie. There are none of those famous people because of the strike. A lot of cool stuff came up from the website, but will it hurt you that there's a writer's, that there's an actor's strike? Well, the Barbie movie is not impacted. The movie is complete. We've done with the marketing. But they're not out there showing, that, showing it off. That's right. Towards the end of the marketing campaign, we have no actors appearing in promotion. But by and large, most of the marketing and promotion of the movie already happened. And as you know, it's been very broad with a lot of reach and real uh, a part of the cultural conversation. This is not traditional movie marketing. We're very proud in the way we elevated traditional marketing and turned this movie into an event, a cultural event. There are people who are talking about it being controversial. Uh, and there's a lot of others in your, uh, in your staple where they're really trying to say, well, look, I don't know if this one's going to be politically correct. Or, I mean, I, I know that Disney is considered to be a woke company by the governor of Florida, but you seem to almost court a little controversy in some of your movies. Why, why, why not just go the simple kind of funny-duddy way? Well, this movie will appeal to Barbie fans of all ages, as well as to broad audiences who are looking to be entertained, and inspired by one of the most iconic brands um, in, in, in entertainment history that is coming to the big screen. And what the genius of Greta is that she was able to take 
a brand that was about female empowerment and inspiring the limitless potential in every girl and making it relevant to everyone. I want people to know that the reason why I think this is conceded, and, I speak, and you succeed, and you, you explained it to me perfectly, is your background. You are not coming from the traditional toy background. These people that you're mentioning are people that are part of your firmament, and you have asked them to do things because you know them and they trust you, right? You're not a toy magnate. Well, my background isn't in entertainment, but this is the fourth company I run. This company is highly operational, and we've done a lot of work to improve the core toy business and transform the company to be high-performing. As you know, we recently reached investment-grade status. Right. We continue to strengthen our balance sheet, and the company is on very strong financial footing, which gives us, which gives us the ability to continue to grow our business and expand our model and continue to grow in entertainment. I think you're a little too humble. When you came to me, I said to you, well, I don't want to spend any time with you. Your company is going bankrupt, and because that's what it looked like. And you said, don't count us out. We have a lot to do. You also found a way to manufacture in a much less expensive way. Your company's losing about $300 million a year before you got there. Well, we transformed our business model. We went from a loss of about $200 million of operating income to a positive almost $800 million uh, of operating income and continue to grow our business, generate cash, and position the company for long-term future growth. Now, the people you're talking about, Vin Diesel, why would he be interested in being involved with Mattel? We believe we can attract the most successful and leading talent in the world, given the strength of our brands. Even Barney? Our brands, even Barney, transcend generations and appeal to audiences of all ages. And the ability, the magic, is to attract and work and empower creative talent and when you do that well, magic happens. I just want to last one last thing that's not related. You have done very much to be able to make it so that Barbie doesn't look like Barbie did before. Barbie looks like America. It looks like the world. How is that going? Well, Barbie really represents the world through the eyes of children. Barbie is a flag carrier for diversity and inclusivity. And we're very proud of what we do as a company in promoting important messages of diversity, equity, inclusion, and sustainability. We have an important role in society. We take it very seriously and continue to do important work while we continue to grow our business and do the right thing by our shareholders. Well, I like men of the word who made serious promises that I thought could never, ever, ever be accomplished. You did every one of them. Congratulations. That's Sinan Crisis, chairman and CEO of Mattel, M-A-T. Everybody's going. <laughs> Stay with me, bud. Thank you. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round, next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Kramer, Kramer, of course, one of the most famous talks ever. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready to keep that? Time for the lightning round. Kramer's running. Let's start with Abid in Ohio. Abid. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hello, hello. Pete Booyah from Cleveland, Ohio. Love it. What's up? Thank you for taking my call. Gene, last week you called travel one of the hats for earning season. I want to ask you about a company that's been left behind in the rally in travel stocks. My question is, what are your thoughts on TripAdvisor? 
I think it's right the TripAdvisor has been left behind. I don't think they're good enough. I prefer bookings, and I think that Brian Chesky is putting together amazing numbers, as we said when it was at 90 for air. B and B. Let's go to Curry, New Jersey. Curry. Hey, hey, Jim, it's Curry. And uh, how you doing? Who ya, Jim? How you feel about Luminar? How do I feel about Luminar? I feel terrible about Luminar because I think it's going lower. That's how I feel about Luminar. Let's go to Tad and North Carolina. Tad. First of all, Jim, thank you for being such a blessing to those of us endeavoring to navigate the markets. Your insights are invaluable. Thank you. Due to recent concerns over Medicare reimbursement, uh, this company's stock price has taken a hit. Do you think at these levels, Shockwave is a buy? Ben Stoto, research director, and I often think about Shockwave Medical, and I've got to tell you, I am drawn to it as perhaps a positive side, particularly because medical device stocks are very much in, but I do recommend EW even more. That's right, EW. How about we go to Lucas in Minnesota? Lucas. A hearty Midwestern booyah to you, Jim. Good kind of booyah. Good kind of booyah. What's up? All right. Well, I'm looking at uh, buying taxis and the fact that Dodge is converting the minivan to a hybrid. So I'm wondering about Stellantis. Dodge. I like Stellantis. It's just too cheap. People don't believe. I think that's wrong. I think you've got a winner. How about Gabriel in Colorado? Gabriel. Hey, Jim. Booyah from Colorado. Great to be on the show. Good to have you. Uh, Thanks, thanks. Uh, I'm, talking, I'm talking about Akoya Bioscience. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? A total speculative stock, losing money. You have to do that in small increments. It's just too, it's too outlandish for this guy. Let's go to Jim in Connecticut. Jim. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right. Listen, I'll, I'll make it quick. I happen to be doing some research, and I picked up a stock that caught my interest. Uh, in no other location in Warren Buffett's uh, portfolio. It's Vitesse Energy, ticker T. Yeah, this is a way to be able to own oil without owning oil, and I think it's a smart way, and I am behind it 100%. Let's go to Ken in South Carolina. Ken. Ken, speak to me, me, Ken. Yes, I want to talk to you about the Pfizer shop. Pfizer. Well, I got to tell you, Dr. Borla has got to put that money to work better. And by the way, he's got to start working more with Nurtech. As the chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation, Nurtech is an amazing drug. He owns it. Let's do more over that. I want to go to Georgia, Massachusetts. George. Uh, hi, Jim. First of all, I want to thank you for the great report you did on NYR Group that I asked you about last Oh, week. yeah, that was a good one. Thank you for suggesting it. But, but the one I want to talk about today, I own stock in a utility company in Texas that has a price earnings ratio less than 10, a dividend yield of 3%. And if you add in the stock buyback that has a shareholder yield of around 50%, 15% rather. Uh, what do you think of Vistra, symbol is VST? Who is this guy, George, for constantly stumping me? I don't know this one either. I bet you it's a darn good stock. Vistra, I'll put it right down there with the MYRG. This guy's good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the lightning round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the Daily Double has Kramer pondering on his most venerable theme. Sink your teeth into mad money. Next. Booyah, 
Jim, I love you, man. I've been watching you from day one. Thank you for all the wonderful advice that you provide us. I'm learning so much watching your show. Watch your program every day. I love it. Always wanted to say booyah on your show. Thank you for being the greatest in the world. We consider you the money market maker, and we thank you for all you do. I love your show. I long time fans of your show, and we think it's the most entertaining program on TV. All right, here's your clue in an abbreviated category. FANG, coined in 2017 by Jim Cramer to denote five top tech companies at the time. Uh, what is Facebook, Apple, Amazon, uh, Netflix, and Google? You got all five, correct. You're tied for the lead. That David's got horror sense. Nice haircut, too. He knew my acronym cold. I salute him and wish him the best of luck. I like the fact that he won Final Jeopardy by a single buck. Good sense of showmanship. As always, though, you should know that FANG aren't just the first letters of a bunch of mega cap tech companies. Instead, it's an acronym, an acronym based on companies that I felt controlled their own destiny because they all had terrific management. The people in charge were too good to rest on their laurels. Fang had staying power because every single one of these companies has been able to deliver over time no matter what. Let's take them one by one. Facebook has morphed into meta platforms in order to include its metaverse business. But that's the least exciting part of the story. When TikTok took the world by storm, meta rolled out their own version, Reels, and it turned into a true competitor. When Apple created some privacy rules that made targeting advertising far less effective, CEO Mark Zuckerberg came up with a workaround that restored the value of the core Facebook and Instagram business. When the Fed started tightening aggressively and Wall Street turned against pure growth stories, Zuckerberg was the first to pivot, cut costs with a chainsaw, laying off roughly a quarter of his workforce, albeit with generous servers packages, that's important to mention, and that's what's driven the recent outperformance. Apple, unlike me, you know that Wall Street really hasn't been all that enamored of this one. For years, this market capitalization depended upon the success of its latest iPhone model, and that's it. Now, now, though, Apple is a massive product, a fabulous service revenue stream that's the envy of the industry. Today, we got word that the company might be running a secret AI program, which sent the stock to a new all-time high. Own it. Don't trade it. Amazon just had its best Prime Day ever, of course, but every Prime Day is the best ever because the business just keeps growing. The company's eliminated a ton of money-losing products. Amazon Web Services, long the key driver of earnings growth, has slowed dramatically. But now money managers are starting to believe this cloud infrastructure business might be troughing and could pick up in the fourth quarter. Amazon hasn't invented enough lucrative stuff lately. But in 2017, when we created Fang, it was still in its heyday. Maybe it can return to its old glory via massive adoption of generative IP. How about Netflix? All right, they've had an amazing long run. Even as a company reporters, a number they don't have enough forecast that people didn't really like tonight. But that the quarter might cost some investors to take a breather because it certainly wasn't perfect. Then again, Netflix is rarely perfect. That never seemed to take its stock down for long. Finally, there's Google, now Alphabet. This, not Netflix, is the toughest one to justify right now because it was late to the cloud business, just that it's now late to artificial intelligence. Although Alphabet's move with alacrity to catch up. YouTube has been a spectacular hit, though, and they finally started getting religion on costs. Now, the Justice Department's antitrust division is gunning for them. But like everyone else in the acronym, they still control their own destiny, and that makes it worth owning. Acronyms are simple. Some would say silly amalgamations of letters. But I've created a bunch of them, and the reason I do it stems from the days when I was studying to pass the New York, St- New York State Bar exam. The best teachers there 
always got you to remember the most important answers and concepts by using memorable acronyms because they stick with you. It's a gift that works. It certainly worked for Dave from Jeopardy. And I hope it works for you. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM.